You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, please visit Stonegate.Church. Well, Stonegate, welcome to Follow Me. Uh, It is the next season in the life of our church family. It is like the thing that is in front of us. And uh, this moment, this season is the biggest thing we have ever done as a church family. And uh, and we say this all the time around here right now. It's like this is going to change our church in some really amazing and beautiful ways. And if you will allow it, if you'll come to the Lord with an open heart, with your defenses down, letting the Lord all the way in in a moment like this, it is going to change you too. It's going to radically change you too. So here are a couple of asks that I have for you as we start Follow Me. Uh, Here's the first one. Uh, Follow Me is a five-week set of sermons. That means we have four more of these over the next uh, four weeks. And will you commit to being here every Sunday morning during Follow Me? That's my first ask, that you move things around, you cancel things, you just do whatever you have to do to make sure you're here uh, for the next four Sundays as we take this journey together. So that's the first ask, that you're here every Sunday morning uh, through Follow Me, the next four weeks. The second one is that you make sure you're in community uh, during Follow Me. So if you are in a community group already, that's great. You just make sure you're there at your community group over the next uh, month of Follow Me. You just make sure you're there every time your group meets uh, over the next few weeks. And then if you're not in community, uh, that's no problem too. We're making it mega, mega easy for you, super easy for you. Uh, We are starting this week follow me groups. Let me just say what follow me groups are. Follow me groups meet up here at the building. So they're going to be here, uh, right here, uh, follow me groups. Secondly, uh, you can pick your night. You can pick Sunday night, you can pick Tuesday night or Wednesday night. So you just pick the night that works for you. So up here, you pick one of those three nights and we're going to have childcare on all of those three nights just to make this as easy as possible. There should be no excuses for one of us or not to to have one of those nights that sort of work that we can commit uh, over the next four weeks to jump into a follow me group. So uh, that is my ask for you. But will you please jump into a group if you're not? Uh, as soon as we finish with the service, you can go right out here to the group's wall. They'll have everything set to get you registered for tonight, Tuesday, or Wednesday. You just pick the night that works out for you, and we would love to see you in one of those groups. And then uh, I also just want to make you aware of a few resources that we have for you. Uh, the first is this blue Follow Me book. You should have gotten that on the way in. Uh, everybody grab your book real quick. If you didn't get this book, raise your hand, and we're going to have some people come around, and they will get you a book right now. So you just raise your hand. Hi right there where you are, and there's going to be some people meet you right now to get a book into your hands. So you just keep your hand up, and and they'll get to you. But if you'll uh, take your book and turn to the table of contents, which is just that first little page right there. I just want to point out a couple of things in there. There's Follow Me Explained on page three. So a lot of what you just heard in the video is going to be right there for you. Celebrating God's faithfulness, verse 8. Just rehearsing some of the story of our church family and thanking God for that. Uh, There's some tools in there, like how will you respond, the follow me journey, Uh, the One Fund initiative on page 19. It's just uh, helpful ways for you to understand where we are, what we're doing. That's the One Fund initiative. There's FAQs in there. And then if you'll go ahead and turn to page 25 of your book, uh, that is where you'll see the series guide. That's going to have notes for uh, all of our messages on Sunday morning. So you're going to be able to take notes right there in your follow me book. And, And then if you keep flipping there, you're going to see community group guide. Uh, that's all of our community groups are going to be going through the same thing over the next four weeks, and it's all right there in this book. So I'm just asking that this book would become your friend. Make sure you put your name on it so we can get it to the right person if you, uh, if you lose it. But uh, put your name on it, stick it in your Bible, uh, take it home with you, open up your Bible, open up this book, uh, do the stuff in there that we've got going with your community group, take it to your community groups with you. Every Sunday morning, it's back here with you as you're taking notes. So this is just one of 
of these little booklets that over the next four weeks we're asking to be a good friend. So make sure you get your name on it, stick that in your Bible. And another resource we've got for you is this book. We're giving uh, this book to uh, every family at Stonegate. If you don't have this book, please grab this. It'll be out there in the lobby for you. It's Randy Alcorn's The Treasure Principle, and we have found it to be so helpful. It's, it's, it's fair to say that this book has changed my life, the way I see generosity and giving. And uh, so we found it to be very helpful and very readable. It's uh, small pages, not very many words, right? I mean, it's like all of us can read this one, right? So it's super helpful and very readable. All of our group curriculum, all of these things are going to be working through this book together over the next month. So make sure you grab this and start reading that along with us. All the assignments, all that stuff is there in your Follow Me uh, little book. Uh, we've got these Follow Me t-shirts out in the lobby, and here's my deal with you. We have a shirt for you. As long as you're willing to say, I am going to follow Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, I'm a yes to following him. Then you are welcome to grab one of those shirts. Just as a way of saying yes uh, to Jesus and, and your willingness to follow him. And then lastly, on your little blue follow me book, uh, you should have a little uh, commitment card that looks like this. And uh, we want to make sure we get these to you early because uh, over the next month, we're just asking you to open up your heart to the Lord and to begin now to ask him what generosity is going to look like in your life over the next two years. And then on February the 25th, the last Sunday morning of the Follow Me series, we're going to commit to one number that represents sacrificial, radical generosity over the next two years. So we want to get this to you early so that you can begin asking the Lord, praying, fasting, seeking clarity on what it is that the Lord has for you, what following Jesus in a season like this is going to mean for you. So we want to get that to you early so that you can begin to, uh, to pray over that and ask the Lord about that. Now let's just have a moment before we jump into our text. Uh, I am looking at you, our church family, and I am asking this of you. Would you jump in with us and follow Jesus with us in this season? Would you take this journey with us? We are praying that every single person who calls Stonegate home, if this is your church home, that 100% of us, every single one of us would take this journey with Jesus. Why? Because the primary goal is not a number raised. That is not the primary heart or goal of the next two years. The primary goal is for the Lord to teach us how to follow him. That's the primary goal. And that takes us to our text this morning, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 27 is really the grounding text of the next two years. And here's what I love about John 10, 27. It's a very easy verse to memorize. I'm just going to ask you to memorize it, for you to commit it to memory as a way of just uh, offering your heart to the Lord and letting this seep down into your heart. John 10, 27 goes like this. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's John 10, 27, straight from the lips of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Can you say that with me? Here it is. Let's say it together. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Give it one more time with me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I have grown to love this verse. I don't know how you wake up in the morning, but I'm going to tell you how I wake up in the morning. I wake up every morning as a, functionally as an atheist. 
It takes me till about 10 a.m. to remember there is a God, right? So that's how I wake up every morning. I I wake up as a functional atheist. It takes me a while to remember, oh, yeah, that's right. There is a God. Oh, oh, yeah, I I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. Oh, yeah, like the, the, the aim and ambition of my life is to give my life to Jesus and his causes and his ambitions in the world. Like, oh, yeah, that, that's what my life is really for and about. It takes me a minute to remember that. So for the last few months, I have made this verse, John 10, 27, my first waking thought. Like my eyes come open and the first thing I do is say, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My first waking thought is that right there. And here's the reason. It's because that little verse contains three massive truths that we need every day when we wake up. Three massive truths. Here are the three massive truths. Truth number one, I have a good shepherd. I have a good shepherd. Can you say that with me? I have a good shepherd. That is true of you. If you're in Christ, you have a good shepherd. Jesus starts out John 10, 27 like this. My sheep, my sheep. Now, those two words can change your life because those two words show us two really important things. They show us who we are, who we are. We are, according to John 10, 27, what? Sheep. That's who we are. We are sheep. And that metaphor doesn't flatter us, right? Right? Now, that metaphor is meant to humble us. That's what it's for. Sheep are uh, what you might think of as like at the bottom of the food chain. That's sheep, right? Think of the word association you have with the word sheep. Uh, When you think sheep, what are the things that now uh, you think in association with the word sheep? You think things like weak, dependent, needy, vulnerable, always in trouble, can't get out of trouble when they get into trouble, right? This, This is sheep. And welcome to who we are, sheep. That is you. That is me, sheep. Those two words show us who we are, and they show us, more importantly, whose we are. Both who we're sheep and whose we are. We're not just sheep, we're whose sheep. We're his sheep, right? We're Jesus's sheep. Psalm 103, uh, 100 verse 3 says it this way. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Church, we may be a mess, but we're his mess, aren't we? We're his mess, right? We are his sheep. He knows us by name. He, he loves us. See, to know that we are sheep is humbling. But to know that we are his sheep is hope-giving, isn't it? And it's hope-giving because as his sheep, if we really are his sheep, it means he is our shepherd. It means that Jesus really is our shepherd. And that's true. Three times in John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. This is who I am. I am the good shepherd. Now, what does it mean to be a good shepherd? When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, that is Jesus saying, I am 100% committed to your comprehensive care. That's what Jesus means when he says, I'm the good shepherd. I am 100% committed to your comprehensive care. That's what a good shepherd does, isn't it? A good shepherd leads his sheep, feeds his sheep, protects his sheep, tends to the wounds of his sheep. Whatever the sheep need, a good shepherd provides. That's what a good shepherd is in church. Look me in the eye right here. I want to remind you this morning, church, you have a good shepherd. 
His name is Jesus. You have a good shepherd. Can you say it with me? I have a good shepherd. Now, how do you know that Jesus is a good shepherd? How, how do we know that? How do we know he is a good one? Like, like, like a really good one. How do we know that? Well, uh, Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Then he tells us how we can know that. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So how do we know? Well, it's because Jesus laid down his life for us. That's how we know, for, for his sheep. That's how we know he is the good shepherd. When Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, it's not something that he's put on his resume to sort of inflate his reputation for the higher. That's not what it is. No, when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, that is something he has proved with his blood. Amen? That's how we know he's the good shepherd. When Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, that's him saying, when no one else cares about you, I do. When no one else does, I, I, I do. That's Jesus saying, when everyone else has left you, abandoned you, betrayed you, I'm still here. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. When Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, that's Jesus saying, hey, hey when you have nothing to offer, you don't have a single thing you could give me. You have nothing to offer. I still want you. I still want you. When Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, that is Jesus saying, listen, if I've, if I've laid down my life for you, is there anything I won't do for you? That, that's what Jesus means when he says, I'm the good shepherd. Now, here's the thing. I know that so many of us came in here this morning feeling overlooked in your life, unseen. I know that so many of us came in here lonely, I know so many of you came in here fearful this morning about what's going on in your life. I know so many of us came in here this morning disappointed about our life, just sad about what's in our life or what's not in our life. And this is one of the things I love about Jesus, our good shepherd, is we, we don't have to bring positive emotions to him for him to still love us. Did you know that about God? Like, you don't have to come to God really chipper and optimistic and like, everything is awesome, God, for God to look at you and say, I, I still love you. No, you don't have to come that way. You, you can come right now, the real you, right now meeting the real God because the good shepherd is not after. He's not looking for impressive people. You know who the good shepherd's looking for? Sheep. That's who he's looking for. His sheep. His people. His sheep that he knows by name, that he loved, that he's committed himself to, that's who he's after. He's looking at you and he's saying to you this morning, as the good shepherd, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm standing beside you. I'm fighting for you. I, I am promising you. I will bring you safely home. I am promising you. I, I will care for you, not just in this life, but forever. Friends, that's what we have to look forward to. The care of the good shepherd forever. 
Your future is as bright as Jesus, your good shepherd. Can I just give you a sort of a wet your taste buds for what's to come to you? Like what heaven's going to be like? Like what life on the other side of this life is going to be like? Revelation 7 verse 17. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. So here's heaven. There's going to be a lamb in the midst of the throne. And that lamb in the midst of the throne, he is going to be their shepherd, your shepherd, his people's shepherd, his sheep's shepherd. And here's what he's going to do. And he will guide them his sheep to springs of living water. Like he's going to take you to spring after spring of water that's just going to bring joy and delight to your soul forever. Like it's going to be one joyful discovery after another in heaven. He will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's what we have to look forward to. The care of that good shepherd. Now, I do feel a danger in this moment. Let me just say the danger like this. It is possible to know that God is a good shepherd without knowing God as the good shepherd. That's possible for us. For you to be like, oh yeah, I, I know that, that Psalm 23, it, it talks about God being a good shepherd. So I, I know God is a good shepherd. It's possible to say that and to know that without knowing the, the actual God who is the good shepherd. That is possible. So before we go on, can we just have this moment together? Do you know the good shepherd? Have you come under the care and the protection of the good shepherd? Has there been a moment when you have turned from your sin and thrown your life upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Friend, do you know the good shepherd? Has he saved you from your sin? Has there been a moment when you have looked to God and said, God, here is my life. Would you save me? Would you rescue me? I am trusting in the good shepherd, Jesus. His life, death, and resurrection saved me from my sin, oh God. Do you know the good shepherd? This would really be the travesty of this morning if you left agreeing that God is a good shepherd without knowing God as the good shepherd. That, that would really be the travesty. Friend, do you know the good shepherd? Do you know him? Can you say this with me? I have a good shepherd. Can you say it here? I have a good shepherd. Second thing this verse reminds us of is I listen to his voice. I have a good shepherd. Now here's what we as a sheep do. I listen. This is what I remind myself every morning. I have a good shepherd. Now, here's what I get to do today. I listen. I, I get today to listen to his voice. Can everybody say, I listen with me? I listen. That, that's what we as a sheep do. We listen to the voice of the good shepherd. The good shepherd leads us. Right? This is why Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. The good shepherd leads us and he leads us by speaking to us. Isn't that amazing to know the good shepherd speaks to us? He speaks to his sheep. He talks to you and he talks to me. He talks to his people. The good shepherd speaks to us. And that means one of the main ambitions of our life is to wake up every day listening to the voice of the good shepherd. I listen. I have a good shepherd and I listen to the good shepherd. And the good shepherd speaks in many different ways. The good shepherd speaks through his word, through the scriptures, through the Bible. If you want to know that you're hearing from Jesus, the good shepherd, then open up the scriptures and read it. And you know, when you read it, you are reading the very words of God. The Bible is the first and primary way that Jesus speaks to his people. We open up the scriptures and we read it. This is why we call the Bible the word of God. 
It is God's word to us. It is God speaking to us. So when you read the Bible, you're not just reading for information to check another like theological, you know, box. That's not why we're reading. We're not primarily reading it for information. We're primarily reading it for relationship, to listen to the voice of the good shepherd. The Bible is the first and primary way God speaks. 99% of what you need to know from the Lord is going to be found right there in the Bible why we open up the Bible and read it. But it's not the only way God speaks. God also speaks through prayer. Prayer is pouring out our hearts to Jesus, pouring out our hearts to God. So we pour out our heart in sin to God. We we confess our sin. We pour out our gratitude to Jesus, offering our thanks to him. We pour out our needs to Jesus, asking for the things that we need in life. But prayer is also God pouring out his heart to us. So we talk to God, God talks to us. That's prayer. Which means prayer is one part talking and one part listening. Because prayer is one way that God speaks to his people. So so we listen to the good shepherd through prayer. God speaks through people. Yes, through his word. Yes, through uh, prayer. Yes, through his people. Uh, When we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit makes his home in us. And now the Holy Spirit uses us to to talk to other people. It's God speaking through us to others. Uh, This week, I uh, had a person write me a note that began by him saying, you know, I felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage you with these words. And I read what he wrote, and I'm like, Jesus, I totally received that from you. Thank you for using that dear brother to to talk to me and to remind me of these precious truths uh, this week. God's people are so often God's mouthpiece. He speaks uh, through us to others. Uh, God speaks through circumstances, by opening and closing doors. God speaks through visions and dreams and impressions. Now, here's the key to, to how God speaks, though. Every way God speaks outside the Bible must align with what God says in the Bible. You see that? Everything that God says outside the Bible has to align with what he said inside the Bible. If not, we know we have heard wrongly. If, if what we have heard outside the Bible doesn't align with what God has said inside the Bible, we know we have misheard or they have misheard. So in other words, if a guy comes to me and says, you know, I think God is asking me to leave my wife uh, to go run after another woman. I would look back at them and say, you might have heard that from someone, but it wasn't Jesus, right? Uh, because it doesn't conform with what God has said in his word. Right? It's got to conform. What we hear outside the Bible has to conform with what we read inside the Bible. And church, here's what I'm trying to convince you of, though, is that the good shepherd speaks to his people. This is how he leads us. It's by speaking to us. You heard Chris Martin's story up there. How did he get to a place of quitting his job? Well, he's got his nose down in the Bible, and then the Lord impresses upon his heart, I want you to quit. And so he quits. It's how we planted Stonegate. How did that happen? It was the Lord pressing down into our heart. Let's do this thing. It's how I got into ministry. It's how so many of us do so many of the things the Lord wants us to do. It's he leads us by speaking to us. Let's say this again. I have a good shepherd. Say it with me. I have a good shepherd. Point two, I listen. Say it with me. I listen. Now here's the third point. I follow. So I have a good shepherd. This is what John 10, 27 reminds us of. I have a good shepherd. Now as a sheep, here's what we get to do. I listen. 
And then thirdly, I follow. And this is what we are praying for, for Jesus to teach us how to follow him day by day in faith. Friends, this is what Christians are. This is what Christians do. We follow Jesus wherever he goes. That's what a Christian is. This is the reason when Jesus calls his first disciples, he does it like this. Luke chapter 5. It says, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, what? Follow me. That's the call. That's the invitation. This is, this is Jesus saying, hey, do you want to be one of mine? Do you want to be a disciple of mine? This is what it means. It means you come and you follow me. That's what it means to be a disciple of mine. This is what it means to be a Christian. And then look, look at what Matthew Levi does. It says, and leaving everything. Leaving everything, he rose and he followed him. This is how a person starts their life with Jesus. We say yes to that call to follow Jesus. Or you get the same thing in Luke chapter 9. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and what? Follow me. That is the call of becoming a Christian. That is what it looks like to become a Christian. It looks like saying, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Here's my life. You are the new master. I, I am following you, King Jesus. That's conversion. That's the start of the Christian life. But what we start with, we stay with. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I have a good shepherd. I listen. I listen to the voice of that good shepherd, and I follow. This is normative Christianity. This is what it means to be a, a, a Christian, right? We, we, church, we want to be like those faithful script, uh, uh, Christians described in Revelation chapter 14, verse 4, like this. It is those who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. That's what it means to be a Christian. We are the people who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And that is what the next two years is about. Us becoming those people, doing that thing, following Jesus wherever He, he goes. So here is really the question of the next two years for every one of us in the room. Am I willing to follow Jesus? Friend, you're going to have to answer that question. Am I willing to follow Jesus? Or maybe we could ask it in this way that, that is even maybe a touch better. Am I willing to follow Jesus even when it requires faith? Or maybe we could say especially when it requires faith. And I love that last line because following Jesus is all about Jesus cultivating faith in our heart. Uh, this last fall, we uh, studied the life of Abraham together in Genesis. And Abraham's life was all about Abraham learning how to walk by faith and not by sight. He starts just like us as a man with really weak faith. And then through years of testing, God eventually turns that weak faith into a great faith. That, that is what God is up to in the life of Abraham. And what God did with Abraham, God is doing with us. He is cultivating faith. He's taking our weak little faith. And through years of testing, he is going to be growing that faith into great faith. This is what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in my life. And he does that through testing. By inserting a gap into your life. A gap between what he says 
hey, come and follow me doing this thing. Come and follow me doing that thing. I want you to follow me over here. I want you to follow me over there. He, he, he's put this gap by, by doing that, by saying something and putting this gap between what he says and what we can see. God, if I do that, it's going to kill me. There's no way I can do that. How would I do that? There's the gap. And if you look at your defining moments with Jesus over your life, every one of those defining moments with Jesus will have had a gap in it. A gap between what he says and what you can see. A gap that makes following him feel scary, that makes following him actually require faith. Those are the key defining moments in our life, and we need the gap. Because it's right there in the gap that we learn the most important lessons of our life. And the most important lesson of your life is how to do this, how to venture all on God. How to follow Jesus even when it requires faith. How to follow Jesus even over your fear. How to follow Jesus. That is the most important business of our life. So are you following Jesus? Is that true of you? Even in those moments where it requires faith right now in your life, where, where you can't see everything that God has said, are you following Jesus right there in those spaces? Just ask yourself, am I willing to let Jesus teach me how to do that? Are you, are you willing to let him do that for you? And that's an important question to ask because we have some real enemies to this way of living. You have some real enemies to this way of living. You have enemies to you learning how to follow Jesus, especially when it requires faith. And public enemy number one is what we might call the flesh. It's that old us. It's that, that part of us, even after we meet Jesus, that is still wrapped up in sin. That still is suspicious of God. Still doubts the Lord. Still operates out of fear. That, that's the flesh in us. And because of the flesh, most followers of Jesus, uh, here's what we do. Uh, we diversify our hope portfolio or our faith portfolio. This is what the flesh wants all of us to do. So the flesh looks at us and says, um, yeah, you can put a little bit of your hope in a house. You can put a little bit of your hope or faith in possessions. Put a little bit of it in your marriage. Put a little bit in your kids. Put a little bit of it into your retirement account. Put a little bit of it into your job. Put a little bit, sprinkle a little bit over here in your friends. And then you can also sprinkle a little bit of your hope on Jesus. That's a diversified hope portfolio. And this is what the flesh is always wanting us to do. Just in case one, two, or three of those things collapse, hey, we're still going to be okay, right? This is how the flesh wants us to operate. Our flesh hates following Jesus, especially when it requires faith. So we have to be willing to let Jesus teach us how to do that. Because our enemy, the flesh, it shows up in this little voice inside of us. And you just, uh, you, if you pay attention to this little voice, uh, you'll hear this voice. It's a play it safe voice. It's a voice that's always urging uh, caution in your life. It's a voice that looks at you and says, hey, you can love Jesus a whole lot. Uh, just don't get too crazy about him though. It, it's that voice. Uh, listen to C.S. Lewis describe this play it safe voice in us, this voice of the flesh. He, he says it this way. He says, there's a voice inside of me that urges caution. And you just listen for that voice in your own life. It tells me to be careful, to keep my head, not to go too far, not to burn my boats. I come into the presence of God with a great fear, lest anything should happen to me within his presence, which will prove too inconvenient when I've come out again to my ordinary life. 
I don't want to be carried away into any resolution with Jesus, which I shall afterwards regret, for I, shall, I know I shall be feeling quite different after breakfast. And I don't want anything to happen to me at the altar, which will run up too big of a bill to pay then. Do you know that voice in you? It's that play it safe voice. It's that every time Jesus is calling you to the next step of faith, the next step of following him, it's that voice that's urging caution, that's screaming, don't get too crazy here. I mean, be rational. God has given you wisdom, so use some wisdom for crying out loud. It's, it's that voice in your life, that, that play it safe voice. The, the effects of that voice are disastrous. And, and here's why. Because there's really only two ways for you to live. Way number one. You trust you to make something of your life. That's way number one that you can live. Here's the other way you can live. You can trust God to make something of your life. Right now, you're living out of one of those two paradigms. Trust you to make something of your life. You're going to be forcing and manipulating and grasping all of your life. You, you trust you to make something of your life or you trust God to make something of your life. And here's the thing. If you trust you to make something of your life, your life will be as big as you can make it. But friend, if you trust God to make something of your life, your life will become as big as God can make it. But those are the two options. You're either going to manipulate, grasp, force, and you're going to get what you can do in life or you're going to trust Jesus, the good shepherd, for miracles, and you're going to get what God can do in life. Th those are the options. And I don't know about you, but if those are the two options, I, I don't want my life to shrink down to what I can do. I don't want it to shrink to the size of what I can kind of force and manipulate and, and make happen. I want my life to be as big as God himself, don't you? Church, church don't you want a life like that? But when we're trusting God for miracles, we're saying, God, here I am. Make my life as big as you, oh God. And that's what this next season is about. That is what we're after over the next two years. This is my number one prayer for you. Is that we as a people, that, that you personally, we as a people would learn to follow Jesus, especially when it requires faith. That God would teach us that. And one of the things I'm asking the Lord to do in every single one of our lives is to insert the gap, to create a moment in your life where what God is asking, what God says, there's a gap between that and what you can see. Because this is how we learn to walk by faith. This is how we learn to follow Jesus when it requires faith is for that gap to be inserted into our life. And yes, that's going to come through generosity for all of us. And it's probably going to come through a million other ways in all of our lives over the next two years. It's God putting that gap into our life. And I want to be clear in what this next season is about. Yes, as a church, we have things in front of us to make deep disciples, to make more disciples, to make young disciples. And in a secondary sense, we need as a church family right now in this moment, $15 million to make those things happen, to do that as a church family, to step into the next thing that God has for us as a church. But hear me, all of that is secondary. It's not primary. Our primary goal is 100% participation for every single one of us to be on the journey of learning how to follow Jesus. Our primary goal is not a final number raised. 
It is every one of us taking this journey with Jesus. Uh, so if, if there was a person who came up today after service and they said, uh, Rodney, I'm going to write a check for $15 million. Everything that Stonegate needs over the next two years, I'm going to write a check right now for that. Please do. <laughs> we would kill the fattened calf. We would celebrate. We would throw a party right now, right here. It would be awesome. And then you know what we'd do? We would still do this Follow Me initiative. You know why? Because it's not primarily about a number raised. It is primarily about you and I going on a journey with Jesus where we learn to walk by faith and not by sight. That's what it's primarily about. This season is about Jesus turning our weak faith into great faith. It's about us listening to the voice of our good shepherd and learning again how to follow him. It is about us following the lamb wherever he goes. So this is your question. Am I willing to follow Jesus even when it requires faith? Would you bow your head with me? And I want to give you a moment to wrestle that question down. I want you to picture Jesus in front of you for a moment. He's just sitting right in front of you. And Jesus looks at you and reminds you, you're not just sheep, you're my sheep. And that means I'm your good shepherd. I'm your shepherd, your good shepherd. And I want you to listen to me and follow me all the days of your life. And then he looks at you and says, will you do that? Will you follow me even when it requires faith? And this is really the place we have to start in this. It's us looking back to Jesus and saying to Jesus, I will. So just there where you are, could you say that to the good shepherd? Jesus, I will listen and I will follow. I will listen and I'll follow. Jesus, would you do that little miracle in our hearts? Would you give us the courage right now in this moment to decide? And it's in the good name of Jesus we pray. Amen.